Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC is heading back to Vegas one more time before they head off to Fight Island, and we obviously have got the breakdown for you, starting with the main event of Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. We will be breaking down our three favorite fights on the show, as well as our favorite underdog in a parlay that we think you could play to make yourself a little bit of money. Plus, as always, we're giving you the interviews with the fighters on the card itself. First, we're going to be talking to Kyle Dawkins. We'll also be talking to Sean Woodson. And, of course, Comma Worthy is stopping by as well. So make sure you peep all of those interviews as well as that great content. And this episode starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Kyle Dawkins, who fights Brandon Allen at UFC Poye versus Hooker, live from Las Vegas this upcoming Saturday. Kyle, first of all, thanks for joining us. No problem, man. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I want to talk to you about getting the call, because a lot of people are getting the short notice calls. Uh, your manager posted the video of you getting the call to social media. Obviously, very emotional. What's the last few days been like to you? Uh, it's been kind of crazy, you know. Your phone's been blowing up. Uh, a lot of a lot of interviews, a lot of media stuff, but um, I'm really worried about the task ahead, and that's uh, June 27th. Absolutely, and I know from a lot of people who I've been talking to, because a lot of people are taking short notice fights for those fights in Vegas. A lot of people were already prepared as far as like weight cutting and stuff like that goes. Where was your diet in in preparation at at this point? Yeah, no, I I knew that eventually this uh, short notice call up would be uh, a possibility. So uh, what I did was I just tried to maintain my weight, not get too heavy, not eat a bunch of uh, like crappy foods or anything like that. I've been very strict on my diet, so everything's good. You know, I don't have a lot of weight to cut, and uh, I'll be uh, on weight on the 20, on the 26th. And, and you know, you kind of have an advantage too here, being one of the few guys who are on this card who who have already fought at the Apex. You've already fought in this arena. What are your memories like of fighting at the, the Apex? Yeah, it was uh, it was very familiar. Um, I always envisioned myself. Um, fighting for the UFC, so everything just felt very familiar. I was very calm. I didn't have any uh, pre-fight jitters or in-cage jitters or anything like that, and I'm going into this fight the same way. You know, I'm, uh, I've been there before, so I'm, I'm going to be comfortable in the cage, and, and that's going to be uh, dangerous. And, and, you know, you, you said you felt like you'd been there before. It was obviously a really great performance. On a card where a couple of people took home contracts, were you really shocked when, when you weren't one of them? Um, you know, I was. I felt like I had the best performance. Um, I had like 30, 30, 25 across the board and I, I don't, I don't know what else I could have done. I mean, I could have finished the fight obviously, but, uh, you know, I wasn't what they were looking for that night, but, um, June 27th, I plan on, uh, I plan on making a statement as to, uh, I should be here. And, and you know, you said you weren't what they were looking for that night. You're a guy who, who is a grappler primarily, right? Like most of your submission wins are coming via grappling. Do you feel like that's a, a, a detriment to getting you either your name out there or to getting in the UFC? Um, not really. I mean, you know, eight of my nine wins are finishes. So, I mean, it, the UFC is looking for finishes regardless if it's knockouts or submissions or anything like that. Um, but no, I feel like as long as I'm finishing the fights, that's all that matters. Absolutely. Now, I, I want to talk a little bit about some of those submissions because we're, we're going to talk about the fight in a bit. But I want to talk to you about the fact that you have five Darius chokes in your nine wins. Like you said, most of your, your wins are finishes, but the vast major, or the majority of them here are Darius chokes. What about that choke appeals so much to you and, and why does it present itself so much to you? 
Uh, I guess this is my frame. You know, I, ha I have thin arms, but they're very long, so I can I can uh, manipulate head and arm control very well uh, from any position. Um, and I find myself in half guard a lot, and my opponents often often look to get the underhook to get back up. So that's just a defense that I have for it, and it just so happened that five people have made that mistake. And, and yeah, five people have definitely made that mistake pretty hard. Now, do you remember when you learned that choker? Was that always like one of the ones that stuck out to you when you were first learning jujitsu? Yeah, it was. It was one of the ones that stuck out. You know, when I first started, I was I was fighting. I was uh, a lot heavier. I was walking around like 250 pounds. So you know, once I dropped all that weight, my arms got really skinny. So I could manipulate um, the positions that I would get into, and the dart choke just came natural to me. I, I got to backtrack to something you said there. You were 250 pounds when you started doing MMA or doing jujitsu. What what led you into the gym? Was it that you were a big guy? No, my brother had started me. And my brother um, had uh, taken a class about a month before I have, and uh, he came home and like showed me a couple stuff, and I was intrigued. So I went to the gym, and ever since then I fell in love with it. I, I was like 16 years old. I was in high school. I was you know really overweight, but it it, it worked out in the favor. Absolutely, and, and just out of curiosity, was a lot of that weight loss just by doing the exercise of jujitsu, or is a lot of it, you know, also dieting and, and contributing to, to getting yourself in like fight shape, so to speak? No, yeah, a lot of it is is diet, but it does help that um, I'm training twice. A, I was training twice a day in jujitsu, so you know I was getting very good workouts. And but I believe that diet is key. You know, diet is 90% of it, and then 10% of it is the actual physical activity that you need to do. Awesome, and and now I I don't mean to keep harping on this because it's just interesting to me but uh were you a guy who did any other physical activity or was this sort of like the first sport that you came upon no yeah ever since i was younger i played a bunch of sports i played soccer uh basketball uh, a bunch of stuff i played lacrosse in high school and i played football my freshman year so I i've always been in the sports i've always been uh, a very physical guy um i was just not in shape you know i was just just pretty much just fat so it certainly takes a different kind of body to play uh, to do MMA versus doing playing football, especially if you're a bigger guy. Oh yeah, of course. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the fight too, because that's obviously why we're here. I want to talk about your fighting Brandon Allen. So they present you with this name, Brandon Allen. He's a guy who's known pretty well for his grappling as well. What, what were your thoughts when they offered you that name? Uh, yes, you know it was it was immediately yes, like I was in. Like regardless of who it was, I know that um, I know that. I am capable of beating anybody that they put in front of me. It, it, it doesn't matter if it's short notice or if it's 10 week camp or whatever, you know, I'm going in there with the confidence that I have every single fight to finish the fight. And that's what I plan to do. And just out of curiosity, how do you rate his jujitsu? Now, obviously, you, you took the fight right away, but, you know, you get to looking at some of his past fights or maybe your coaches are breaking it down for you. What do you think of his jujitsu? Uh, he has, you know, he has very good jujitsu. He, he's heavy on top. He looks to he looks to strike more on top than he does uh, anything else. Um, but when he's on the bottom, he's very jujitsu based. He's not very MMA based. So if I do when I do get on top, I plan on uh, taking advantage of that. And just out of curiosity, before I let you go here, do you got a prediction? When you get on top and you take advantage of it, how do you see this one ending? Uh, I really believe I'm going to uh, finish it in the second round. Darce choke, second round. Darce choke in the second round. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This is Kyle Dawkins, who fights Brandon Allen at UFC Poye versus Hooker this upcoming Saturday live from Las Vegas. Kyle, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And that interview with Kyle Dawkins is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. They have got the best way to track your progress in whatever martial art it is you train 
by logging the different training sessions as long, along with notes and competitions. It's a really great way to stay on top of your training, know exactly what you're getting better at, and knowing how many times you're training. So make sure to check that out. Maroon Social, wherever it is you download apps. And our second guest of the day joining me today is Sean Woodson, who fights Kyle Nelson at UFC Poirier versus Hooker live from Las Vegas this upcoming weekend. Sean, thanks for taking the time. Thank you, man. I appreciate the, uh, you giving me the time. Absolutely. Now, I want to talk about the fact that you had this incredible debut over a really gritty veteran in Kyle Bochniak. But now it's been eight months since we've seen you, right? It's been a while. Obviously, the pandemic was a big part of that. But were there other factors? And how frustrating was that? Uh, yeah, man. I was, you know, after my debut, I was pretty pretty much ready to rock. You know, two couple months later, I was, you know, hoping that they came back with something quick. Uh, I got a fight offer for the John Jones card in February. But it was on like uh, six, seven days notice. And I was too heavy and just couldn't make the weight. But outside of that, man, my manager told me that they had two other fights in the works, but uh, two guys turned me down. And then it's pretty public that I was stepping in short notice to uh, fight Jared Gordon May 16th. But then uh, he turned that down. And yeah, now here we are, man. Is it frustrating to hear all of these people turning you down or do you see it as motivation? Uh, I mean, it's it's a compliment for sure. And. Yeah, it is pretty frustrating because, you know, I was dealing with this problem a lot on the regional scene. I didn't think that I would have this problem uh, in the USC. But a lot of these guys, I think they're, you know, they're playing, you know, the political game. They're like, you know, he only has one fight. And I believe the guys they've been trying to match me up with have had, you know, multiple fights in the UFC. And they didn't feel like, you know, I was uh, worthy enough to fight them or whatever the case may be. But, uh, yeah, man, it's, it, it has been pretty frustrating. But, uh yeah, I mean, it. I mean, it is what it is, man. I'm not complaining. I'm blessed to be in the position I'm in, and this guy, you know, he he, he signed on the dotted line and he showed up, and I'm ready to rock. Absolutely. Now, now let's talk a little bit about your preparation for this fight too, because I know you did some of your preparation for your debut at Glory MMA and Fitness with James Cross. Did you return there for this camp? Is this like a permanent move for you? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I mean, I still get some training in and back home with my, you know, my original team, the guy that I've been with for a while. But yeah, man, I the moment I got this call, I packed up and headed out to glory and i've been out there ever since i just got back home uh, a couple days ago and yeah i just came home to you know fly out from home but yeah i, I went in and put in about two weeks at glory with with, with those guys out there and, and obviously that gives you a whole lot more looks at ufc level fighters right like they've got a bunch of guys up there but what else made you decide glory mma was like the place for you exactly that man the, the 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 level of training out there man it's definitely a, a level above you know just the training i have here because you know they like you said they got other ufc guys james kraus is one of the man probably the best coach in the game man he's he's so underrated as a coach and a fighter it's unbelievable and uh yeah they got grant dawson and megan out there and tons of uh, those are just you know the names people i'm sure are familiar with but they got a bunch of other killers out there that people just don't know about and yeah that i, I mean it's i'm not gonna it's not going to be a permanent move as far as, you know, moving and training or full time, but it'll definitely be, you know, a, a, a permanent part of my career. I'll definitely always, whenever I get a fight, go out there, spend a couple months out there and train along with the guys I train with here at home. And it'll definitely be permanent as far as James Krause being my head coach. I love it. Now, let's talk about your upcoming fight because you're heading back to the Apex. You're a guy who's already had a fight there, right? You win by flying knee in spectacular fashion. 
what are your feelings about going back there? Is it is it going to feel weird going back to the environment? Is it going to be exciting to to be back where it all started? Yeah, man. Oh, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be so exciting, man. You know, that's that's the place. That's where I changed my life, man. I'll I'll never forget that place. That place will always just be special to me. And yeah, I'm glad that you know I'm fighting at a place that you know I'm familiar with. I've been there before. A lot of people, you know, have been making a, a big deal about you know the smaller cage, but it's a cage I've already been in and. Yeah, man, I'm happy to, to go back in there and get back in that cage. Absolutely. Now, now you're fighting Kyle Nelson, who he's a little bit more of a striker than Kyle Bocciniak is, right? Like, Bocciniak's a guy who shoots a lot of takedowns. Mm-hmm. Are you excited to be fighting somebody who's a little bit less of a wrestler that, that maybe you'll get a chance to stand and bang with? <laughs> they uh, He might be a little bit less of a wrestler, you know, going into the fight. But, I mean, once we get in there, man, he'll he'll be a, a full-blown wrestler. Uh, I don't care, you know, what these guys' backgrounds are. They can be uh, Muay Thai champions or whatever the case may be. But I, they're all going to be wrestlers when they get in there with me. And, and you think that that's because when, when they eat a couple of those knees like Bochniak did, you, you think they instantly are going to revert back to not wanting to be on the feet with you? Not the, not just the knees, man. Just you know, my hands are you know my footwork. Uh, when they realize you know how hard I am to hit, I just you know after. I mean, I'll say it every. I hate to sound so repetitive, but I I know that all these guys when I go in there, they're they're going to be shooting and trying to you know clinch up with me and grab me and drag me to the ground within under a minute in the fight. I just know it. And, and do you almost like appreciate that? Is uh, again, is that like a flattering moment to you when you hear that, like, you know, or you feel that they just don't want to be there anymore? Is it, it is a moment that encourages you in a fight? Yeah, I, I mean, like, it, it's a compliment for sure. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I, I won't sit here and say for a second that you know I have the best striking in the world. You know, I feel like that it's hard to say that because you know my striking is just so different, man. Like, you, you wouldn't. You know, somebody coming in the gym on their first day, you wouldn't teach them, you know, what I do. You know, I, I, I kind of, you know, I have my hands down at times. I'm, I'm just, I'm just different, man. I, uh, yeah, I won't say I have the best striking in the world, but, uh, you know, point me towards the guy who, who does have the best striking, and I bet you I, 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 I will outstrike them. Sorry, I got stumbled over my words. <laughs> That's quite all right. Now, I, I'm just curious too, because you said this isn't a style you would teach is part of being with James Krause and working so well with James Krause that he embraces that? He embraces that sort of uniqueness? Dude, oh, my God, 100%, man. You know, I've been with, you know, some coaches before who kind of tried to, like, you know, change my style or uh, in their eyes, they look at it, they, like, you know, clean it up. But Krause, you know, he appreciates what I do. He he understands what I'm doing. You know, he knows that, you know, as, as weird and as awkward as my style is, I'm I'm real defensively sound, you know. I, I I'm even though it may not look like it, I'm I'm protected at all times, you know. I got really good uh, reflexes, and yeah, man, he just embraces my style and and adds new new stuff to it, and yeah, he's he's just really we just we mesh well, we really mesh well together. Absolutely, and you've mentioned your defense a couple of times too. I know you're six foot two or or close to six foot three in the featherweight division, which is pretty uncommon. But here you are, you're you're finding a guy who's closer to you in height than maybe you fought in a really long time he's almost six feet tall himself have you done any different prep work given that he is you know a similar stature to you this time uh no i haven't really no i haven't changed anything up because he's you know similar stature i mean yeah he is a little bit similar but i mean it's still it's still the same story you know i'm still the taller guy i still have the longer reach and i still have the better striking so yeah i've just been doing what i've always done all right. Now, it's come to the part of the interview where I got to ask you, you know, 
upcoming weekend, exciting fight against Kyle Nelson. How do you see the fight ending? Uh, man, me with my hand raised by any means necessary, man. I can't really, you know, MMA is crazy. You never know what's going to happen out there. But, yeah, I, I'm very confident that I'm going to get my hand raised at the end of the night. I see this, see us uh, meeting in the middle, me touching him up, and him realizing right away that on the feet is not where he wants to be with me, and him shooting, you know, 15 to 20 takedowns like my last opponent did, and me frustrating him and picking him apart. He's a tough dude. Uh, but, yeah, I, uh, I see myself picking him apart and eventually getting the finish. All Late right. in the second, early in the third, I, but that finish is coming. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This is Sean Woodson who fights Kyle Nelson at UFC Poirier versus Hooker on this upcoming Saturday live from Vegas. Thanks so much for the time, Sean. I really appreciate it. Thank you, man. Look forward to talking to you again. And that interview with Sean Woodson is brought to you by BattleClan Gear. Visit BattleClanGear.com and make sure to use promo code TURTLEUP10. That's T-U-R-T-L-E-U-P-1-0 for 10% off your whole order there. Everybody's getting back into grappling. We're going to talk with Kama Worthy in a second, who's talking about reopening his gym. If you're doing that, you probably want some fresh duds to head on into class with. So make sure to head over to BattleClan Gear. Their gear not only feels phenomenal, but it looks great too. BattleClanGear.com. This is Daniel Gumby Freeman with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. Today, I'm have the pleasure of being joined by Kama Worthy, who fights Luis Perez at UFC Poirier versus Hooker, live from Las Vegas this upcoming weekend. So, Kama, I know last time we spoke, you were about to move into a new gym. How, how's the new gym? That's good, man. I'm actually here now. Uh, we had a couple of guys uh, grappling. Like, we're just uh, at our first grappling session getting back into right now. And, um... We just we just went back to teaching classes this week and stuff, so everything's doing good. And, and how is that with obviously all the new regulations and getting people back to being comfortable in the gym? How, how is that as a business owner? Yeah, it, it's a little bit trying. Like you know, we're we're uh, we're giving it just giving it just giving it kind of like a slow go, letting people come back at their own at their own pace and stuff, and just kind of um, slowly kicking in. We don't really start up full classes until July. Awesome, awesome. And, and I know that, that you have a real passion for coaching as well. And I was just curious as, as to whether or not that, that ever is, is tricky while you're training and getting ready for a fight, that you're also obviously getting a whole bunch of other people training as well. Yeah, um, normally like I'll do like the week of my fight, I'll normally ease up on the training. So um, this week I, I taught all classes. I taught a whole bunch of classes this week, and uh, I'll um, – I'll be leaving on Tuesday, so I won't be teaching any classes as of as of next week. Cool, cool. Now let's let's get to talking about your fight too, because obviously it's a very exciting fight. You originally were supposed to fight Michael Johnson for this fight, and I know that you were hoping that they would rebook that fight. They wind up booking him with Tiago Moises. What was your reaction when you heard that? Um, like they were just grabbing at things at that time like they i say obviously offered me another fight with someone else at that time so like like I, I think just the current situation was just just fill people in as fast as possible and as it is now we got we took this fight on like two and a half week notice and you don't really get any notice for fights you just take fights if you want to if not they're just giving to someone else so i didn't really have any personal up being upset about anything it was just it is what it is now, now, you said they offered you another fight. Do you care to, to disclose who it was against and, and maybe uh, yeah, why you didn't take it? Me, they offered me Drew Dober on, like, two-week notice, and I wasn't training at the time. 
I uh, I didn't have a place to train because I was actually moving my gym. And uh, it was I was just like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead. That's a big no to that. <laughs> like, he, he had been training. I knew he had been training, helping Gaethje get ready for his fight. So the fight actually seems like a fun fight, but just not prepared for a fight. I don't, I don't like the fight unless I'm prepared for it. And, and that's obviously one you would like to see booked again down the road, right? If if everybody were to get a full training camp for it. Yeah, I mean, like for me, it's uh, I just I just want to as long as I get a training camp and it seems like the right fight to my manager and everything, and yeah, I'll take whoever they toss my way. And, and just out of curiosity, so they do book you with Luis Pena, who who seems like probably right around where where your last opponent was, Devontae Smith, and you know maybe a step down from from Michael Johnson. So why was he the right opponent to say yes to? Oh, he was the only opponent. I mean, they just offered him, and I said yeah. <laughs> like, I, at the point now where like you, you want to fight, like I said, like there 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 people are, people are falling out of fights, getting replaced everywhere, every which which way. So like soon they asked me, I just said yeah and just went on with it. Like I didn't even say anything. Like as long as you're not on for me, some guy from like a top ten where I should be making more money, I probably I probably would have took it. Makes sense to me. Now obviously you know you said you've only been able to know that this fight was happening for a couple of weeks. You've been moving your gym. How has preparation been in all of this? How how ready have you been able to stay? Well, I mean, I've been tra- I've been back to training for about uh, six for about six six weeks now. So I've been training at least twice a day um, for the past six weeks. And one of my main one of my main training partners is a southpaw, and he's taller. And I have a couple of guys that are taller that I can work with and stuff. So I didn't really the adjustment his height and stuff wasn't really too much of adjustment. So besides that, like I'm as long as I'm in shape, that's the only thing I really have control over. So that's just the only thing I really try to stick to. And, and you mentioned the fact that he is a southpaw, he is a lankier guy, and, and luckily you have training opponents for that. What else do you think about his style in particular and how it matches up with yours? Uh, it's a, he's a fun fighter. I mean, he has a lot of lot of flashy stuff. He has good grappling, uh, um, good striking and stuff. He's pretty well-rounded all around. Uh, so I'll have to test out some things that we've seen on him. We're going to have to see if he's corrected or still some things we can like kind of take advantage of and just kind of take it from there. Exciting, exciting. Now, so you do finally get to step into the cage. There is going to be a decreased crowd for this. And I know, obviously, last time with your big knockout, it was devastating. The crowd was going nuts. It was an exciting atmosphere. Have you thought at all about what it's going to be like to fight in front of basically no crowd? No, I'm trying not to overthink it. So that way it just runs. It just runs a course. I don't want to overthink it too much. I want it to just happen. Because, like, if you think it's going to be one way, then it's not that way. It feels weird. So I'm just trying to make sure it just... I just stick the course and just wait for it to happen and just take it from there. Makes a lot of sense to me. Now, I do like to ask at the end of all of these for a quick prediction. Do you have a way that you're envisioning this fight with Pena going down? Winning. <laughs> I'm just going to win. That's all that matters. Like, I, like I don't really – I've never really overly predict anything when it comes to my fight, so I'm just going out there to get my W. All right. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it. Once again, fans, this was Kama Worthy who fights Luis Perez at UFC Put. Poirier versus Hooker, live from Las Vegas this upcoming weekend. Thank you so much for the time, Kama. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. But we hope you enjoyed that interview with Kama Worthy, Sean Woodson, and Kyle Dawkins. Dave, let, let's start by first talking about Kyle Dawkins because I know that you're a jiu-jitsu nerd. Kyle Dawkins, five Doris chokes in his career. How crazy is that? OMG. OMG. 
you hit the nail on the head. Yes, I am a Jits guy. And even more so than that, I'm a Darce guy. He has five Darce choke finishes on his resume. And now we get to see him in the UFC during a pandemic when no other sports are happening. F yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, and in addition to that, too, I, I like that he talked about, you know, why it's become part of such of his game, because it, it, all of his submission game is good, so it's it's interesting to see why the Darius choke seems to present itself more, you know, based on his positioning and stuff like that, and I, I think he's actually got a really fun fight here for his debut against Brandon Allen on the main card, who's also a jiu-jitsu guy. We could see some really killer jiu-jitsu in that matchup. Uh, hopefully it doesn't turn into a striking match because that would be a huge bummer. Yeah, isn't that always how it goes where two guys come in with the same strength so you don't see those two strengths against each other? Um, That would really be ironic, as they say, and I hope that's not the case. Yeah, me too. So uh, let's keep our fingers crossed for a a fun jujitsu match. All right, let's get to our favorite segment on the show. Uh, It's fights, dogs, and parlays. We're going to break down three fights. We're going to give you a couple of live dogs. And we're going to give you a parlay to play. So if you are a gambling addict, ah, you've come to the right place. But, of course, get help for that at the same time, too. Gumby, are you ready for fights, dogs, and parlays for UFC Poirier Hooker live from Vegas? Absolutely. All right, let's go. Dustin Poirier is a minus 210 favorite. He's coming off a loss to Khabib the Eagle Nurmagomedov. Uh, he got choked out in uh, Abu Dhabi via rear naked choke in the third round. But, hey, it's Khabib. Before that, he beat the likes of, oh, I don't know, a few guys you might have heard of. The always durable Jim Miller, Anthony Pettis, former champion, Justin Gaethje, next title challenger, potential future champion, looks like the all-around best guy, Uh, former champion Eddie Alvarez, former uh, champion Max Holloway at 145, and then he ran into Khabib. So, I mean, you want to talk about historic runs, wins over Jim Miller, Anthony Pettis, Justin Gaethje, Eddie Alvarez, and Max Holloway. He's a favorite for a reason, but he's facing Dan Hooker who is no slouch, they might say, no slouch. He lost to Edson Barbosa in December of 2018, but has since reeled off wins against James Vick via KO, Ali Iaquinta, unanimous decision victory, and took a split decision win over Paul Felder just earlier this year in February. So not the same resume heading into the fight with impressive top five guys uh, that he beat, but Hooker surging, nonetheless, on a three-fight win streak, and you can get him betting off as a plus-175 dog. What's going to happen? You know, so when I was looking at this fight, you know, I, I found myself falling into the same logic we used to pick Tyrone Woodley to beat Gilbert Burns, right? Like, we both picked Tyrone Woodley, and the reason largely was because we trusted Tyrone Woodley's resume more than we trusted Gilbert Burns, right? Like, we had seen Tyrone Woodley put it on somebody who is real, but at the same time, I'm going to follow that same exact logic here. I'm going to pick, uh, I'm going to pick Dustin Poirier again here against Dan Hooker. And and a lot of it is, has to do with how they look in absolute firefights. Cause I think that that's what this is going to turn into. And if you look at what happened to Dan Hooker against Paul Felder, 
Paul Felder landed a ton of shots on Dan Hooker. And not that Paul Felder isn't a skilled striker, but also I feel like Paul Felder, as far as, you know, like what he can do to mix in things, is less impressive than Dustin Poirier. you got to remember, Dustin Poirier, while he doesn't lean on his wrestling, has very functional wrestling. He took Max Holloway down. When he needed to go to his wrestling against Anthony Pettis, he took him down five times. Like, he took Jim Miller down three times and survived on the ground with Jim Miller. So, when you keep all of that kind of stuff in mind, the fact that Dustin Poirier can mix that in here against Dan Hooker, who's a guy who doesn't necessarily have the greatest takedown defense. You know, we've rarely seen him tested in that way, but we have seen, you know, like Jim Miller took him down in... You know, the fact that he hasn't had guys trying to take him down for the large part is also somewhat alarming. I think Dustin Poirier at least mixes that in enough here to keep Dan Hooker a little bit more tentative and probably land more shots en route to a decision here. Yeah, I'm going with Poirier for more or less the same reasons. I think if this breaks out into a firefight, I actually trust Poirier to pick his shots better maybe not get overwhelmed by the moment, rush in, et cetera. I find Poirier to be probably the smarter striker, whereas I think Hooker probably has more dynamite in those hands with a one-punch knockout shot. But I happen to like Poirier better as a striker. And if it were to go to the ground, I like Poirier better there as well. So I find Poirier to be the better all-around fighter. And maybe Hooker will prove me wrong this weekend. But I think uh, this is Poirier's fight, and I think at minus 210, it's really perfect odds. I think it's very fair. Uh, I I expect Poirier to win this, probably in a decision. Let's move then uh, to a very interesting matchup. Mike fucking Perry uh, is a, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, a minus 300 favorite. He's facing Mickey Gall, a plus 250 dog. Mike Perry, as a minus 300 favorite is on a two-fight losing streak. After beating Alex Oliveira via unanimous decision, he lost to Vicente Luque, and he's coming off a TKO uh, head kick and punches loss to Jeff Neal. Mickey Gall, on the other hand, ever since debuting in the UFC, he's 5-2. and two. He beat Mike Jackson and the former professional wrestler, maybe you've heard of him, Phil Brooks, uh, and, of course, Sage Northcutt. So you want to talk about a power pack of hot prospects. Mike Jackson, CM Punk, Sage Northcutt, LOL, starts his career 3-0, and definitely not against top-flight competition, and then ran into Randy Brown, lost. Got a win over George Sullivan, but then ran into Diego Sanchez and lost via TKO. He is coming off a win over Salim Tahari, uh, so he is on a one-fight winning streak hoping to make it two, but as a plus 250 dog, give us a reason why Mickey Gall can win if you're not taking him, or are you just taking him? You know, so I've been back and forth on this fight a couple of times, and I actually almost laid down money on Mickey Gall early when those odds were even a little bit wider. I think that the margins are closing as people are putting more and more money on Mickey Gall. But here's my issue with Mickey Gall, is that, if Mickey Gall is going to win this fight, it is not going to be on the feet, right? Like, Mike Perry is a savage on the feet. You you mentioned the loss to Vicente Luque. He looked really good in that loss to Vicente Luque. Some people even had him winning that fight. Um, granted, his nose was in complete disrepair, but, like, he is a guy who was in there with a top 15 guy and really put it together, 
and his striking looked good. So as a result, I really think that there's no way Mickey Gall wins this fight on the feet. So then we have to ask ourselves, can Mickey Gall bring this fight to the ground? And and that's really where I'm alarmed here. Because if you look at Mickey Gall's takedown percentage, first of all, he only takes down 38%, right? He he lands 38% of his takedown attempts, including one of seven against the aforementioned Salim Tuhari. And nothing to take away from Salim Tuhari here, but like, that is not a guy he should have trouble taking down, right? Like, if he is going to beat Mike Perry, he needs to be able to take Salim Tuhari down, and he wasn't able to, right? And and just, to, you know, for the record here, Mike Perry, not an easy guy to take down either. You know, we mentioned, I mentioned that he's got, you know, really good, uh, you know, he's got really good boxing, but he's also pretty good at stuff, stuffing the takedown as well. Here's the only path to victory here I really see for Mickey Gall, given those two facts, is that Mike Perry's dumb enough to shoot once in a while, right? Mike Perry shot on Donald Cerrone and got submitted right away. You know, Mike Perry shot a bunch of times on Santiago Ponzinibbio. You know, like, he has a way of just thinking like, oh, I got to shoot here. He shot twice on Vicente Luque, which seems crazy to me as well. So, I think that, that Mickey Gall's real path to victory here is hopefully getting Mike Perry to think he needs to shoot. And right now, with all that's going on in the world of Mike Perry's coaching, God, that that is very possible that he does shoot. But at plus 250, I'm still not sure I like those numbers enough to pick him. I'm probably staying away from this fight altogether, betting, and a gun to my head, I'm taking Mike Perry. Uh, I, I agree, just because I think you basically broke it all down in this fact. Gall is going to be very hard-pressed to get Perry to the ground. That's where Gall's advantage is. He's a shark on the ground, but he's more or less a puffer fish standing up. And Mike Perry uh, has pretty good striking, if be it a little wild. And that's why I think the odds are where they are. But for the uninformed, you mentioned, what is going on with Mike Perry's coaching? Uh, so for the uninformed, Mike Perry's coaching, he has none right now. Uh, according to him, the only corner person he will have is uh, his new girlfriend, having, I believe, separated with his wife. He's got like a 22-year-old girlfriend who was seen hitting or uh, holding mitts for him recently and maybe one of the most pathetic attempts I've ever seen. So... Uh, he will have just her in his corner, and uh, I I just don't know what more to say than that, right? Like, that is one of the most ridiculous cornering situations except for Diego Sanchez, right? <laughs> yeah, there is nothing more to say to that. So we will go on to the next match, which is Maurice Green, who's a minus 230 favorite, taking on Gian Vellante, a plus 190 dog. Uh, Maurice Green coming off two losses in a row to Sergei Pavlovich, uh, and Alexei Olenek, so uh, people from Eastern Europe have not been treating him well, but hoping to pick up a win over a guy from Long Island. Uh, John Volante uh, is also coming off a loss to McCall Alexiejuk, uh back in the Czech Republic, February of 2019, so he hasn't fought in over a year. Beat Ed Herman before that, lost to Sam Alvey before that, beat Francis Marbaroso, but then lost to Patrick Cummings and Mauricio Shogunhua. So he's been a one-on, one-off fighter, one win, one loss, back and forth. And just a little quick trivia question before you give us our pick. Uh, what year did Gian Vellante debut in the UFC, Gumby? Oh, so shit, he's been in the UFC forever. I'm going to say, I'll, I'll say 2012. 
Uh, very close. April of 2013, he lost to Ovin St. Prue in his debut, but it's just crazy to me that he's been around seven years. Are you taking him in this fight? I'm not, and this is going to seem like a weird reason, too. I'm not based on motivation. Um, I've seen Jean Vellante at a lot of fights, uh, both live, in person, and also, uh, you know, you see him on TV with, with Al Iaquinta and Aljamain Sterling. He's with those Long Island guys all the time, right? And one of the things you'll notice about Jean Vellante is his physique is kind of gone. Uh, he looks very big now, which is, I'm assuming, why we're seeing him at heavyweight now, right? Like, we last saw him in February of 2019 at light heavyweight. Now we're seeing him at heavyweight, and it really would not shock me to see him tip the scales around 250 if that is where he steps on. Like, that, if that number showed up on the scale, I would be like, yeah, that sounds about right based on what I've seen of him. He looks big. And as a result, I'm a little bit worried about where his motivation is. As you said, he's a guy who's been in the UFC since 2013. He's 34 years old. He's got kids. It wouldn't surprise me to be that he's one foot out the door here. And on the other hand, you got a guy in Maurice Green who we're saying is on a two-fight losing streak. The guy looks better than ever. He traded with Alexei Olenek for quite a while on the ground in kind of an interesting way. He's a fun grappler. He's got good striking. And he's also a lot Bigger than John Vellante, right? He's six foot seven, full 265. He's a large guy. So John Vellante is a guy who's blowing up to meet the heavyweight division. And he's going to be way, way less physically strong than Maurice Green, who is putting a lot of work into his physique. I'm going with Maurice Green here. I feel pretty confident in doing so. Totally wouldn't surprise me to see him get a finish either. Our underdog of the week and friend of the show. Is Kama Worthy a plus 225? Break it down. So first of all, Kama Worthy, worth noting, the largest underdog in history to win a fight when he took fight on two days' notice to fight Devontae Smith. I think some sports books had him as high as 850, which is just absolutely crazy. Goes in there, gets a crazy knockout. And that's why I like him in this fight against Luis Pena, too, is that Kama Worthy has absolute dynamite in his hands. He's fighting a guy in Luis Pena who's tall and skinny, doesn't have the best wrestling game, and as a result, he might have to stand and trade with a guy who's physically stronger in Kama Worthy. I just don't see Luis Pena standing and training with Kama Worthy for 15 minutes and not getting hit with one of those big blows like Devontae Smith did. So as a result, especially a, a, a number upwards of plus 200, I think you've got to bet on Kama Worthy here. Our parlay to play, Miranda Maverick, a minus 300 favorite, Sean Woodson, a minus 200 favorite. Play them together, peanut butter and jelly, it gets you even odds. Why do we like it? So I like Miranda Maverick for a very obvious reason. She has a wrestling background. She's very young and very physically strong. She steps in here against Mara Romero Barella, who's a fighter who pretty much relies on her jiu-jitsu. And even though she relies on her jiu-jitsu, she was tapped out in under a minute against Courtney Casey recently. So I'm not really impressed with her jiu-jitsu, and it seems to be her only tool. She's riding a three-fight losing streak against the UFC newcomer here. It almost sort of seems like a fight they're putting Miranda Maverick in, who's a young up-and-comer, giving her an easy fight to get into the UFC and get her feet wet. And I think it's really smart move on the UFC's part because I think she's shown in Invicta she's the real deal. So I, I like her easy at negative 300. I'd probably play her at negative 400 as well in a parlay. And then as for Sean Woodson, 
what he did to Kyle Bochniak was absolutely amazing. Stuffing Kyle Bochniak's takedown attempts, throwing those knees, and winning a clear-cut decision in Bochniak's hometown. Color me impressed. I think Sean Woodson's the real deal at featherweight. Plus, how often do you see a featherweight who's six foot three? That is absolutely ridiculous height on a guy. And now he's going to fight Kyle Nelson, a guy who's used to towering over all of his opponents at nearly six foot himself. And he's going to be giving up three or four inches here. So I think that Woodson is a nightmare matchup for Nelson, a guy who's not used to facing somebody taller. And if Woodson was able to stuff Bochniak's takedown attempts, I can't imagine Kyle Nelson gives him much trouble. So I'm going with Woodson and Maverick and getting even money back. Boom. There you have it. That's our fights, dogs, and parlays. We sure hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed giving it to you. You can follow us on Twitter at MMA and also on Instagram. We'll definitely be tweeting during the show. Let us know if we did you right. We're pretty good at what we did. Or hey, sometimes we mess up. Let us know if we did you dirty. We're accepting both love and hate feedback on our social media. Gumby, wrap up this bad boy. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in, as you do each and every week. We really appreciate the support. We also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on as our mothership and our sponsors, Maroon Social and Battle Clan Gear. I want to remind you guys to check out our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA, and we're also now on Instagram. we got a budding Instagram following going, so make sure you join along with that, at Top Turtle MMA as well. I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeman. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we... We'll see you next week.